104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Redner's Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch. That means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. They call me Jason Martin. That's what my parents name me. You can call me that as well. You can call me J Martin. You can call me at J Mart Zone on Twitter. 615-737-1045. You want to call me, get in early. Tomorrow we're going to do a heavy phone show because, well, I'll tell you a little bit later on about that. First off, Ryan Albanese is behind the glass, been in the Dallas radio style for me. He's going to appreciate this. So I'm down in Florida two weeks ago for Valentine's with my wife. And we're geeking out at Wizarding World of Harry Potter for three days. Just didn't care. We came home with house robes. We came home with everything. So we're standing out there talking to one of the people that's selling us one of the many pieces of merchandise that we came home with. And I guess the question came up as to where we were from. And I said, oh, I'm from Virginia. And he goes, what part? And I said, Martinsville. And then he points to his name tag. I can't remember his name, but it has his location on it. And it was Martinsville, Virginia. This is a town of 13,000 people. Ryan Albanese is basically from Martinsville. I'm from Martinsville. This guy's from Martinsville. I'm in Florida meeting a dude from Martinsville out of nowhere. Of There's not a whole lot of people in this building. One of them is from Martinsville, and I'm from Martinsville. I don't understand this at all, but it was kind of cool. And I'm sure if my parents are listening, they appreciate this as well because, well, they lived there for a long, long time. But it was definitely cool. So welcome to the season of lies. Folks, I don't mean on this show, but I do mean from the National Football League. Everything that you hear, probably a lie. Because there's an agenda behind every word that's coming out of everybody's mouth right now. And why not? We are parsing the size of Joe Burrow's hands because we do that every year. We're taking one word that he says and trying to extrapolate what that means. I'll talk about that in more detail a bit later on. Everybody has a take on everything that's going on. And then there's stuff like Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers, new head coach, saying, oh, I absolutely expect Cam is going to be here. I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying what else would he say with Cam still there? There's not another option until the dude is gone. He has to say that. And then, of course, you just heard it on 3HL, John Robinson talking about Ryan Tannehill and talking about Derrick Henry. And he said the same thing about both of them. He goes, He was great for us. We know this. We are attuned to that fact, to say the least. We know that they don't make the playoffs without the switch to Ryan Tannehill. No question about it. Team was completely different. And we know that they don't win in the playoffs without Derrick Henry. These two things are incontrovertible objective facts. There's no subjectivity here. I'm not spouting an opinion. I have working eyes. I have functioning eye sockets, as do you. So we all saw this. But the question, why are you asking about Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry to the GM is because, well, both of them need to be paid. And whether or not you're going to pay them is going to set the course for what the Tennessee Titans are going to be in the future. Derrick Henry went on Rich Eisen and said that Zeke money is the floor. Zeke around $15 a season. 
means that Derrick Henry wants to be the highest paid back in the league, which, based on his productivity, isn't something that he shouldn't. Well, look at that. Even if he was a scrub, he should probably still want to be paid the best. I, I want to be. I want to make more than everybody else in this building. I'm not some money grubbing individual, but if I could make the most money in this building, I would do it. So Derrick Henry saying that is not completely outlandish. The question is, what's the value of a running back in 2020? And I think that, you know, I think there is a very simple answer to this question, and then it gets complicated, which sounds like nonsense. Sounds like gibberish spouting from my lips. But the truth of the matter is, I don't think you do win paying running backs in 2020, but I do think you win paying Derrick Henry in 2020. And I said that last week, and I said it during the playoffs. I said, I would not pay any other running back, but this dude just seems like a unicorn to me. No one wins paying a running back a second contract in this league. When you looked at ESPN's or NFL Nation with all their 32 reporters for all the teams, they were putting down their thoughts in the offseason a couple of weeks ago. And back-to-back in the NFC West, you saw David Johnson and Todd Gurley being the number one thing that those teams want to get out from underneath. Those guys probably helped you win a fantasy league at some point in the last five years. Todd Gurley got paid out the nose, and then we saw him start to deteriorate in the playoffs last year, and he was a shell of himself this year. David Johnson, well, it just has not worked out since they paid him that Skrilla. Since they scratched off that check, it has not gone very well for them. So it sounds ridiculous. And I know we're really close to it. And I always try to back away from that just a little bit. But Derrick Henry just seems like he's different. It doesn't make any sense. And he hasn't really been hurt all that much. So maybe he's due. But I don't believe in he's due. I look at this dude and I see a Mack truck. I see a bulldozer. I see a beast, and I see an offense from Arthur Smith that relies upon his big, bruising bell cow of a running back in a league where bell cow running backs aren't just out of style. They're not even on the racks anymore. You go to the register at that store, and you say, you know, I'm not seeing those anymore. Yeah, uh, a couple seasons ago, we stopped putting those in a catalog. Like, you can't find them anymore unless you go to thrift stores. Bell Cow running backs just don't exist. But dudes like Derrick Henry don't come around once every 50 years. What he did in high school, I could sit here and tell you the stuff he did. You've probably seen that graphic of the what he did. All the records that he broke. I'm not mobbing for paying running backs, but you can put me firmly in the camp standing behind the lectern that will vote paying Derrick Henry into office. Now, there has to be a number where you walk away. You can't overpay an elite franchise quarterback. If Patrick Mahomes wants $50 million, you find a way. You don't let him walk out the door. There has to be some number, and Derrick Henry's representation is known for going for some high money. There has to be a number where you say, okay, this is too rich for my blood. We can't field the team that we need to field around our running back if we pay our running back this much money. But when you take a look at what Derrick Henry does for this offense and how this offense is constructed, what it takes advantage of, what it values, where the emphasis is, 
that dude leaving this team would be a disaster. It would be 10 times worse than letting Ryan Tannehill leave. As good as Ryan Tannehill was, if it comes down to the two of them, I wish Ryan Tannehill the best on his future endeavors. I think you probably can find a way to get them both done, and that's what John Robinson said. But again, John Robinson's not going to say something negative about the two guys that he currently has under employ. So don't get too optimistic when he says they were great. We want to do everything we can to keep them there. How many guys are you going to throw under the bus if you're John Robinson in that situation? I'm not saying he's lying. I'm saying he's doing what anybody in his role would do. So just think realistically on that. But again, I am firmly in the camp of you do not pay running backs, but you do pay the monster that happens to be the running back in Tennessee. It's not hypocrisy. There is a hippogriff out there, and his name is Derrick Henry. Let's go to Joshua in McMinnville real quick, get a phone call in. Joshua, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? I, I think it's absolutely essential that we re-sign Henry, and here's the reason why. We all know that there is that cliff for running backs, but Derrick Henry, I, and also I'm partial, I'm an Alabama fan, but he waited his time in, at, at Alabama. So it wasn't like he was a four-year starter, even a three-year starter. He pretty much waited behind DeMarco Murray, and every time he's been given a chance to succeed, he succeeds. He's a hard worker. He's humble. He doesn't have the prima donna attitude. I mean, I know what he said to Rich Eisen is a little, okay, you know, but like you said, who doesn't want to make the most money if you feel like you're doing the best job? And the other thing is, Derrick Henry, take away the X's and O's, he is a gold mine for the Titans in the state that they're in. You have so many Alabama fans, SEC football fans, that, I mean, they kept the best year franchise, and people are going to be pouring in there year after year as long as he's floating the rock. And that's just it's, – it's simple math in my opinion. I, I don't think you're wrong, Joshua, and I appreciate that thought. I mean, think about Derrick Henry sitting there with Rich Eisen and saying Zeke money is the floor. Or basically that's kind of how Rich set it up because Rich needed to get that quote because that was going to get replayed and people were going to pay attention to it. But what else is Derrick Henry going to say? Is Derrick Henry going to say, yeah, you know what? I'd love to make Zeke money, but if they pay me $8 million a year, I'll probably sign because I like it here. Who does that? There are a lot of things that you might think in your head that don't need to actually come out of your mouth because they can harm your ability to earn or your ability to have leverage. Derrick Henry wants to be paid the most money that he can because he's a human being who enjoys things, who enjoys money, who wants to feel valued who just won the rushing title, who knows how important he is to this franchise and to this city as well. Take everything. Who was the guy on all the billboards? It was Derrick Henry. He's not going to say, I want to make 15 mil, but you know what? If they get me 11, I'll take it. Eisen needed that soundbite and got it. Derrick Henry had to say, I want the most money in the league. This is not rocket science, folks, and it's nothing to roll your eyes at Derrick Henry at either if you happen to be. I don't think you probably are, but this is just common sense. This is how business is done. This is how transactions and negotiations begin. Both parties trying to get the best deal that they possibly can. Makes all the sense in the world. When we come back, something that makes no sense. Something I kind of feel like ranting a little bit tonight. I'm very tired of content for content's sake. 
I'll explain what I mean next. Stick around. It's the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back in. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Martin. We're brought to you by Runner's Warehouse. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find me there. Telephone number. Not sure we're going to take calls tonight. We're going to take a lot of calls tomorrow, though. I think tomorrow, I want to kind of diverge a little bit. We're going to hit combine pretty hard on Thursday and Friday, I would imagine. But tomorrow, I want to talk about what else you're doing. So go ahead and get this into your heads. And I'll open up the phones and we'll spend some time talking about something else, which is now that football season's over, Maybe you're watching a little NBA. Maybe you're watching a little XFL. Maybe you're watching, I don't know what you're watching. That's what I want to know. You know what I'm watching because I'm writing about it at the Big Six blog, 1045zone.com slash Big Six blog. In the last couple of days, pieces on the last two weeks of The Outsider and the first two weeks or the first two episodes, I guess it was two days in a row of Better Call Saul's fifth season. So a lot of new stuff for you over at the Big Six blog, courtesy of me over the past few days. So check that out. A lot of you already have. Thanks for the kind words, and I always like to hear what you guys are thinking about these shows if you're watching them along with me and whether you agree with me on this take or that take. A lot of times you guys make me smarter, and that's awesome, quite frankly. Never will I be arrogant enough to think I know it all. All I can do is tell you my opinion, but I love it when you guys come at it from a different perspective or say, hey, man, what about this? And a lot of times it's something I haven't even considered before, so I love this audience. I love what we've been able to build together and I look forward to seeing what the future is going to hold in that regard. But tomorrow, I'm going to ask you point blank. What are you watching? What else are you watching at this time of year? And I think we'll get some interesting answers because there's so much stuff out there. What are you doing? What's what's taking your attention right now in terms of entertainment? Could be movies. Could be TV shows. Could be something completely off the beaten path. I have no idea. But I'll tell you some of the things that I would suggest to you, and then we'll get some of your thoughts. I think that'll be fun. I want to talk about narratives. It's a word that a lot of times has a negative connotation, and guess what? Here it has a negative connotation for me because there are narratives in sports that are just so tired. And then there's some narratives that are just like, okay, so you came up with this question. You came up with this topic for the sole purpose of generating content, not because there's even a shred of, there's no point in this at all. And here's what I'm talking about. So you heard last week when Tua Tonga-Vailoa in that interview said, hey, if you're asking me who my favorite team is growing up, it was the Dallas Cowboys. So that ignites a firestorm that the Cowboys should not pay Dak. They should trade up, do whatever they have to do, package picks, package players, whatever, to get up in the draft and draft Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Get him at a rookie deal and be able to build around him because Dak, you don't know how you feel about Dak. It's clear they're not like totally sold on him, and they may franchise tag him. We could be going down the Kirk Cousins road for a second time in a row. So that's out there, and there's a lot of pundits going there. Then I look at ESPN.com yesterday, and I see a first-take debate, which immediately, as soon as I see that and the headline attached to it, I know, okay, well, a lot of this is generated just for content's sake. And the headline reads, is considering Tua disrespectful to Dak? That was like a 15 or 20-minute segment on ESPN. That's preposterous, folks. I mean, really stop and think about that for a second. Is it disrespectful to consider another option? Disrespectful? 
they're paying that guy to be the quarterback right now. I actually like Dak Prescott. He impressed me last season. I think he's got a bright future, and I've always liked his intangibles. But it's not disrespectful to consider your options. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, trust me, I'm not speaking factually here in terms of my own situation, but you know what I do for a living, right? You know where I'm writing. You know where I used to write. You know where you can find me talking right here on 104.5 The Zone, Fox Sports Radio, various podcasts. By the way, a new edition of Squared Circle Radio will be out tomorrow, so look forward to that. So you know where you can get me. But if I were, let's say in the in my brain, I'm thinking, well, where could I maybe go do this if I'm like displeased at all? I'm just like I said, I'm speaking 100% hypothetically here. Would it be disrespectful to my current employer that I'm at least pondering what else might be out there? If you think yes, that's just not how life works. That's not how humanity works. You might have a good quarterback, but if a great quarterback comes along, then the great quarterback's probably going to get that job. Was it disrespectful to Jalen Hurts that he got benched for Tua Tango-Vailoa because Tua was a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts? And it hurts me to say that just because you know exactly how I feel about Jalen Hurts if you've listened to my program. I have so much respect for how he's conducted himself. I also thought Nick Saban made the right move in benching him in the championship game. A two-loss quarterback. Because the dude that he replaced him with was better. It doesn't matter if you have a great, I don't know what, you know, insert whatever you want here. It doesn't matter if you've got a really good blank. If there's a great blank out there, you're probably going to at least start to think about it. Now, that can become a problem in consumerism where you have a decent car or you even have a new car that you've bought and then you see, I don't know, a Range Rover or something rolling around that attracts your attention and you immediately are considering that. Is it disrespectful to your current car? No, it's human nature. We're always looking for something better than we have. When you think about the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott was pretty good. He was not their problem last year whatsoever. He was in a no-win, loser situation with a lame duck head coach in Jason Garrett, an overpaid Ezekiel Elliott, who wasn't really returning on that investment, not to the degree that they needed him to. And there were some other holes, and there were some injuries for that team, and they underperformed, but it wasn't Dak's fault. But is Dak Patrick Mahomes? The answer is no. So if there's a possible Patrick Mahomes for your franchise out there, it's almost disrespectful to your fan base and to your franchise not to consider. You should always be trying to better yourself. Just because you've lost 50 pounds and you were 80 pounds overweight, doesn't mean that you want to stop at 50 just because that's pretty good. You still want to consider losing that other 30 pounds. So for ESPN to sit there and say, well, what can we do here? We're going to come up with a segment where we discuss whether it's disrespectful for the Dallas Cowboys to consider potentially a better quarterback, a younger guy, and a franchise guy, instead of paying Dak Prescott big money, or franchise tagging him, thereby maybe making him upset and leading to a Kirk Cousins-like exodus in a couple of years. It's ridiculous, absurd, to think that by some hook or crook they're doing Dak Prescott wrong 
by doing their due diligence on everything that might be available to them. It's insanity. And it's a, just a such a just clear and present example of what can we say that's controversial out of nowhere just to generate ratings. You know, High Noon got canceled. That's Bomani Jones and Pablo Torres show that they were doing in the afternoon. It was in a bad time slot. And maybe it, it just wasn't meant to wasn't meant to be. I actually enjoyed that show, even though I would disagree with them on many, many issues. But one of the critiques of that show that is hard to deny, and it's sad, is that they were best friends, and so they agreed with each other all the time, or 95% of the time. It was, you know what you just said is really smart, now let me add on to it. And it was just them sort of affirming each other. And we live in a society where that don't make money where you want people yelling and each and at each other's throats, even if it's not genuine, even if it's inauthentic, that's unfortunately what rates in our culture. It's what rates in cable news. It's what rates in sports. It's what rates across the board. This vitriol, this competition. So you sit there and you create just something bogus. Like it's disrespectful for the Cowboys to dare consider maybe there's a better quarterback out there. And then you spin that for 20 minutes and you make sure one guy has one side, one guy has the other. When it, it makes absolutely no sense why the word disrespect would be used. You might say, oh, that's sad or that's disappointing if you're Dak Prescott. But that's a billion-dollar enterprise. Dallas Cowboys are one of the most recognizable sports brands of all time globally. They have to do everything they can to get better. Every year, you have to assess who's on your roster and then what else is out there. You might love the dude to death, but it doesn't matter. If Derek Jeter had played long enough, maybe he wouldn't have been in a Yankees uniform. I'm sure that they had meetings and discussed who could play those positions better. That's just the way it is. It's a meritocracy. That's what sports is. If you think Tua might win you more games than Dak Prescott and you're in a situation where you have to pay Dak Prescott or maybe you move a bunch of of pieces around and try to get up high enough in the draft to get a guy that you think could be a long-term just golden solution for you, then you friggin' do it. Stupid. We'll be right back. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Back to the Big Six here on 104.5 Zone. We're on a Tuesday in Music City. Hope it's treating you well. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Our program is brought to you by our good friends out at Renner's Warehouse. They are brought to you and dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renter's Warehouse is the rent estate company. I was thinking about what we were just talking about with Tua and the disrespect, which is so preposterous. Literally, I was, and then for some reason the Academy Awards came up, and it's just like, Parasite was a really good movie, but I gave consideration to 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Knives Out and Jojo Rabbit and a number of other films. Was it disrespectful to Parasite that even though I kind of liked Parasite, I still thought about potentially giving Best Picture to something else? And in fact, in my ballot to the Music City Films Critics Film Critics Association. That honor went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Parasite made my final list, no question, 
when I had to submit five, it was on there. But it's not disrespectful to consider your options. And a lot of times in sports, you're only as valuable as your rarity. If you can be replaced, believe you me, if you stick around long enough, you will be replaced. It just it just left me stunned. So that's one quarterback that we don't know what his future holds just yet in terms of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Another quarterback we don't know what his future holds is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow of nine-inch hands. I don't mean nine-inch nails. They're going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. I'm talking about nine-inch hands. Not Trent Reznor, Joe Burrow. Who came out today as press conference at the Combine. Remember last week, everyone was all a flutter about him saying he had leverage. And they were like, ooh, he doesn't want to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. Came out basically and dispelled that. Cut and dry today. No problem playing for the Bengals. What that leverage comment was, and I talked to Jeff Schwartz about this last week when we were in for Clay on OutKick. It was just somebody that was young answering a question and maybe saying a word he didn't mean to say. And he doesn't know who the number one pick is. He's not going to say, oh, I'd love to play for Cincinnati. He's not going to say that at first. He's probably thinking to himself, well, maybe they're going to deal. Maybe somebody else is going to move up. I don't want it to look like I don't want to play for somebody else. So in the process of that, you assume that he doesn't want to play for the team that currently holds the number one pick when we don't know who will hold the number one pick in the end. We assume that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to hold the number one pick. But boy, a whole lot of polls assumed that Hillary Clinton was going to be the President of the United States in 2016. Assumptions can be very, very dangerous. Joe Burrow is a young guy. He's a little, he speaks a little bit more than many his age. But he joked about his hand size yesterday. And people made a huge deal about that and said, oh, that's ominous company. Only quarterbacks in the last decade to have hands that small include Chad Henney, Jerry Goff, and Ryan Tannehill. That's the list. Well, Tannehill might actually help his argument this year. Jared Goff might have helped it last year. Problem is, it doesn't matter how big your hands are or how small you are because I feel like it's an individual thing. Maybe it can affect some people throwing a football. Doesn't appear like it affects Joe Burrow, though. But yet again, this is the season of lies. This is a season of deceit from general managers, from coaches, from team organizations, from draftees and their representation. Everybody is working an angle. Nobody wants to burn a bridge. I mean, look at this. Vontez Perfect says that he's trying to learn how to do it the NFL way. After this many years... And how much money he has, I've given you that list on the air before of how many fines he has had to pay and how many separate incidents he has been a part of. He's trying to get back in the league. Antonio Brown, of course, we know, is trying to get back into the league. There's This is that season. Everybody is trying to be out there, and they're trying to make their way. Joe Burrow said something in an answer that he probably didn't mean. His mom even said, I don't even know where this narrative came from. Well, it came from your son's answer, but your son's answer was immediately parsed and dismantled as if it was an autopsy of the Kennedy assassination. 
and it didn't need to be. I told you yesterday one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of players and coaches on this show or any show I do is because they often don't have anything to say. Joe Burrow tried to have something to say, and people still found a way to mutilate it. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence before the season. I was worried about him just in terms of how much enjoyment of his life he would have. Now he's centered in the right place. But there was nothing for him to do but fall. From the heights that he was at, from the hype that was generated surrounding him, if he did not go out there and throw 100% completions, no interceptions, and win a national championship, which he still came within four quarters of doing in terms of that last one, it was going to be a disappointment. He's going to be overrated. He's going to be overhyped. That's just what we do. That's one of the reasons why I don't want to talk about the combine just yet. Not in any detail. I'll talk about Joe Burrow basically saying, I got no problem playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And why would he? Yeah, it might not be a great organization right now, but that's the state he's from. It doesn't mean he was a Bengals fan, but if he goes back and he's able to help turn that franchise around, he's LeBron James. Why would you not want that challenge? Joe Burrow, to me, doesn't look like he needs an ideal situation. He looks like, to me, he can overcome a non-ideal situation. He went to quarterback purgatory in Baton Rouge where no quarterbacks ever tend to really do much of anything down there. Yeah, you can mention a few guys, Matt Flynn. Jamarcus Russell was able to throw on his knees in shorts. He was able to go number one in the draft because of that. But nobody, no quarterbacks at LSU are the reasons they win. They run the ball. They have absurd wide receivers. You see that because they all go into the NFL and turn into studs. And they usually have an awesome defense. And they get beat by any team that can score two touchdowns and play defense with them. Shut down the run. Remember Fournette in Alabama? Shut down Leonard Fournette. Challenge the defense. Hold them to like a field goal. And you're going to trounce them every single time. And Joe Burrow went to that place with a coach that people like me were wrong about in terms of how they were going to fit in. And he took on that challenge and he won the Heisman. His numbers were, I don't know, extraterrestrial. And he completes the best season any quarterback, and in my opinion, any college football player has ever had the best one-year run. He's on the list of, on anybody's list, but I think he was better than Cam Newton and better than anybody else that you want to mention as well, including Barry Sanders, because of the level of competition that he faced. So, yeah, he's got small hands. And, yeah, he, he used the word leverage, so clearly that means he is going to force the Bengals to trade their number one pick because he doesn't want to play there. Do you know how often that actually happens? But do you know how often it gets talked about? Zion was going to force the Pelicans around as well, right? Zion Williamson is playing in a Pelicans uniform at a high level right now. Yeah, it happened with Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, and it happened with John Elway. But the list is real short. And I'm not saying that Joe Burrow doesn't have the leverage if he wanted to to do that, but it's not how he wanted to start his career. And to parse one word in an answer on the spur of the moment and try to extrapolate what that means is just a fool's errand. It's Sisyphus stuff. You're rolling that boulder up the hill. The hill is never going to come to an end. 
before you run out of strength and that ball rolls all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain. And then you got to start all over again. That's why I don't want to talk about all the measurables that we're going to see in the combine until we get to around Thursday or Friday and we have some cumulative stuff and maybe there's some stories that break that are entertaining. But again, we are in a season of lies. We are in a spot where everybody is trying to get over on somebody. False information. Do we really think Tom Brady's going to leave New England? I still don't. I know what Adam Schefter said. I know what Jeff Darlington said. I know Tennessee is supposedly the favorite. I'm not buying that. Do I think it's possible? Sure. I just think cooler heads are going to prevail, and I think that Tom Brady enjoys the attention right now. And so he's out there, and his representation is saying a little bit of stuff here and there. And maybe he wants leverage. There's that word. He wants leverage with the Patriots to say, look, I will sign with you for a couple more years, but you've got to go do this and this and this because we didn't do anything to replace Rob Gronkowski when he left. We grabbed Josh Gordon and we grabbed Antonio Brown. Those two things didn't work out. We've got to find something else because we can't score with the elite teams in the AFC without it. We can't beat Tennessee. But we definitely can't score with Kansas City and we can't score with Baltimore right now. So Brady could be wielding it that way. There are a lot of reasons why things could be going the way that things are going. But the Burrow stuff is just, it's, let's just say this is Jason's unsurprised face when Joe Burrow got up and said he had no problem playing for the Bengals. Of course he doesn't. He wants to go number one. He doesn't know who's going to hold that pick because he knows how businesses work. There's nothing to be gained by saying, oh, I want to be a Bengal, and then you find out they're going to make some kind of crazy move because they are the Bengals, and if anybody could Bengal this thing, it could be them. He will be smiling, cheesing the first time he's on the field, whether it's in a Bengals uniform or anybody else's. This is not Eli Manning again. This is Zion Williamson. This is, again, just like we were talking about with that question about Tua and disrespect in the previous segment. This is media trying to generate content out of thin air. And if you want to talk about disrespectful, that is disrespectful. Food for thought. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Second of the program, Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us as always. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, they are the rent estate company. <laughs> you know, this is I, I probably talk more NBA than a lot of people. And it's because I enjoy the league. But I am baffled by this Steph Curry deal. Just, just totally baffled by it. I don't understand. He's apparently going to start playing again. On Sunday, I think it is, where he's going to be back. A lot of people thought he wouldn't play this season. I was one of them. Not because he couldn't, but because why would he? And that's kind of where I am here and what I want to address. 
what is gained here? I saw Steve Kerr say, well, he needs to work with Andrew Wiggins and some of these guys so we can get used to it so we can hit the ground running next season. You realize how much time Steph Curry has missed during his career due to various injuries because his body's kind of brittle because he's not exactly the biggest guy in a sport that seems to actually be getting bigger again with a Zion and a Giannis and a Jokic and some of these dudes. Steph Curry taking off the, I mean, Clay is out for the year, but Steph's going to come back. The Warriors have the worst record in the league. It's them and the Cavs. And the Warriors seem to be ready and intentionally tanking to potentially get a lottery pick and be able to rebuild faster. They've shuttled some guys out of the way. They've kept a couple of core pieces. It's been a bad year, and it's been a quick fall for them, yes. But Steph Curry's not going to come back and lead them to the promised land, not this year. I love that dude to death. I always said it was his team. That's why I didn't think it was a good move for Kevin Durant to go there in the first place. But I still don't. I just, I don't, I don't see the logic here. What if he hurt? What if he gets hurt? What if there's a problem? Yes, I know he could get hurt anyway, but why are you putting wear and tear on his body in a scenario where it's not going to get you anywhere? I mean, nowhere. Like, there's, there's no possibility that this is a gain in a way where it makes any kind of sense. But he's going to be back. That's one thing that baffles me. Another thing that baffles me is the XFL stands. Folks, people are getting on to me and saying all sorts of interesting things. I'll just leave it at that. And saying they've never seen anybody hate on a league the way I hate on the XFL. Am I hating on the league? No. I've said every time we've had an XFL conversation, I've said I'm hoping to be wrong. I am not rooting for it to fail. I'm rooting for the opposite. I want to see these guys get an opportunity to chase their dreams and chase what they love. I just don't see the viability of it long term. I think there's an initial curiosity, and I think it will eventually tail off. There isn't a whole lot of competition right now. I saw a little bit of a game on Sunday, but all four of the games this past week declined in viewership numbers by double digits, just like it happened in the first week. I still think they're doing better than I thought they would be at this point, and that's great. And and the people that are enjoying it, that's great too. But people are being attacked in the media for simply posting facts. I am by no means a fan of pro football talk, especially of Mike Florio, but they published an article saying for second week in a row, XFL viewership declines by double digits, and people just going off on them calling them propaganda, saying they're trying to prop up the the NHL because it's on their network and they're tied in so much to the NFL that they want the XFL to fail. What sense does that make? Uh, Maybe they do have an agenda there. All I know is that's a fact. It was also written by Awful Announcing and a bunch of other people that tabulate this stuff. Sports Business Daily, Sports Business Journal, TV rating sites. These are just facts. Like, you, are you saying there wouldn't be an article written if the XFL numbers had gone up? Because I think that's insane. That doesn't make, that doesn't pass the smell test. I will sit here and tell you when the ratings go up because I think it's good for sports. I don't think this league can work long term, but I think it's been better than expected. I think the kickoff rule should be immediately taken into consideration by the NFL and probably should be adopted. And I think it probably will be. It's just a question of how long it will ha- it will be before we get there. But just because there's a criticism 
or a pessimism, maybe in my case. I'm not really critical of what they're doing. I'm pessimistic about the future, about how long it can last, about its legs, about its viability. That doesn't mean I'm a hater. And, I mean, I don't care what you say about me, quite frankly. I mean, if you say something disrespectful, then I'm probably just going to mute you into the sea. But past that, I don't care whether you agree with me or not. How many times have I said agreeing with me is not a prerequisite to be a part of this movement or this show or anything that I do? I said off the. I said earlier we're doing the TV topic tomorrow night, and a lot of times you guys come up with things and you, that I haven't even thought of that make me smarter, that make me look at things in a different way. So don't think for a minute that you can't come at me and say I'm really enjoying the XFL because I'm going to reply to you if I reply to you. I'm going to reply to you and say that's great. I don't want you to waste your time. The things that I feel negatively about in some way, shape, or form, I hope to be wrong about. Nobody wants to wake up and be grumpy. I mean, maybe you do if you're on Twitter all the time and you're trying to create outrage to make money. That's not really my goal here. I'm not out to see the XFL fail. What benefit does that bring to me? If we have another viable sports league, if we have another sports league people are talking about and excited about, that just gives me more cool stuff to talk about outside of football season when at times... The content can be a little sparse, and you have to think a little bit further outside the box. People want to get so up in their feelings and take things personally. There's nothing to take personally here. You know how I feel about the XFL, but you also know, or if you didn't, you should right now. I am happy that they've done what they've done so far. I think it's been better than most of us anticipated that it would be. It's definitely much better than it was the first time around. And I hope that it continues this way. I hope people continue to watch it. I'm then going to objectively tell you, I think it's going to continue to drop viewership. It's probably going to settle in a place that's okay for cable numbers or whatever on the weekend. But it's not going to challenge the NFL or anything like that. Maybe it gets all of what it wants, but I still don't think there will be a second champion crowned. But I'd love to be wrong, and I will be the first one to tweet out when the second champion is crowned, when and if that happens. Well, guess I was wrong about this one. Now hopefully there'll be a third. Let's toast to the XFL. Get out of your feelings. There is no rooting for failure, at least not from this guy on this show, on this night or any other night. That does me no good. It does you no good. And there's just no time to be so negative. All I did was analyze and tell you what I thought would happen, and now I'm telling you I think it's been better than expected. And I hope that they're able to maintain, even though, factually, the numbers have dropped both weeks since the first week. All right, let's do our word up. Didn't do one yesterday. But this is where we take the text message society and all this kind of stuff, and we bring up an actual vocabulary word that maybe your kids, if you're in the car driving them home or driving them to practice or something, they can hear this and use it in an essay, use it in a paper. I credit my parents for the vocabulary and things that I have from my days working in spelling bees for years and drilling after dinner every night and all of those things. And now I use a lot of words, but I'm actually trying to go out of my way to find words that I don't even really use 
and I want to define them, and I'll give you a little bit of a sports tinge to them as well. So today's word up, because so much of society now wants you to word down and use emojis and all this. Today's word up is lugubrious, L-U-G-U-B-R-I-O-U-S, lugubrious, grim, dejected, somber, unhappy, and looking so, sounding so, just really, really down. And I was thinking about after the Super Bowl, Aaron Andrews was talking with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, and he answered every question. He did it classily, but he was lugubrious, to say the least. Yesterday, at the Celebration for Life, Kobe's celebration out at Staples, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Vanessa Bryant, all of those speakers, and a lot of the people in the seats as part of this service, they were lugubrious. They looked the part. They sounded the part. They were down. It was a sad occasion, a somber occasion. It wasn't a happy time. There may have been a celebration as a part of it, and there certainly was. They were honoring a life, but they were honoring it because it had been taken away. So today's word up, kids, lugubrious, L-U-G-U-B-R-I-O-U-S. Now be thinking about what it is you've been watching. Now the football season's over. What it is that has your entertainment eyeball could be sports, could be otherwise. I'm going to open up the phones tomorrow night. We're going to have some fun with that, and I will see you then. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night from the Music City. 